This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 8th to the 14th of January. I'm Ezzy Pearson and I'm joined this week by Paul Money. Hello there, Ezzy. Oh, morning time again to start with. Oh, we'll have to get up for these. <laughs> well, mornings aren't always terrible and there's always usually something great to see in them. So what do we have coming up in this week's Night Sky? Right, well, we begin the week with the morning twilight on the 8th. Around about 7am, now twilight is getting stronger now, but we have a grand view of the inner planet's Venus, Mercury. Now Venus is trying to catch up with Mercury, but it's failing. Mercury itself sort of thing is quite low down, so you do need an uncluttered horizon. But Venus last week was passing above Antares, several degrees above it, but it was passing above Antares, which is in Scorpius. But Venus is now in Ophiuchus. But the thing is, now on the 8th, they're joined by a slim crescent moon, and that lies right in uh, Scorpius. In fact, the crescent moon lies to the right of Antares, forming a lovely triangle with a star and Venus as well. So it's joined in with the action, as you might say, so a bit extra value for money, as you might say. So the next morning, so this is now we're talking about the uh, ninth, uh, we're looking at a little bit later. You need to give it about 10 minutes later because the moon... As it happens, it's still there, but it's lower. It's the other side of Antares. So you've got to give it time to rise, but it will be quickly overwhelmed by the twilight. So it's one of these sort of things, you're really on a timer for this. So as soon as you've got Venus and Mercury, forms a triangle below them, sort of an apex of a triangle, this very, very slim crescent moon. So, But you've got to wait for it to rise. But as we always say, don't leave it too late till the sky gets bright and the sun rises itself. So we don't want you to damage your eyes sort of thing. So, But just have a look. But you do need a really uncluttered southeastern horizon to catch that really thin crescent moon forming this triangle with Venus and Mercury. So that's in the morning sky, but because the moon is so slim, it's heading towards new, which is great. It'll be new on the 11th. So all week in the evening sky, we've got the winter sky. We've got dark skies. Let's hope we have clear skies as well. <laughs> it does help. <laughs> we, we have plenty of times in recent months, I have to say it's been pretty awful, whereby you know the moon's been out the way. You've been thinking absolutely fantastic and it's been cloudy 
instead sort of thing, you know, which is a great shame because you look forward to these moonless nights knowing you're going to get the winter sky in full glory. But it is in full glory. You've got the, actually, if you're looking around about eight o'clock in the evening over in the southeast, you've got Sirius rising. You've got the Milky Way passing Sirius, but it arches up across the sky. So it goes up past uh, Orion. So we've got a mighty Orion there. Uh, so it goes really between Orion's club and the feet of Gemini. This is the Milky Way. And then up through Origa into Perseus, Cassiopeia. And would you believe it? It still hasn't set. We've still got Cygnus. I mean, Cygnus is usually considered a summer constellation. And we're now into January. Sort of thing. But it's one of those things. Several parts of Cygnus are actually circumpolar. So they don't actually set as well. So you've got a lot there. So you haven't just got the giant planets in the evening sky. At the moment, you've got the best time to see the winter sky. Lots of nebulae, lots of deep sky objects, clusters, uh, a few galaxies as well, sort of thing, as well as our own Milky Way galaxy stretching across the sky. So there's actually lots to enjoy as long as we've got those clear skies because there's no moon actually in the way to spoil them. So fingers crossed, Izzy, we can actually do that. Yes, and if you want to have a guide to show you what might be worth observing in the winter sky, do pick up a copy of Sky at Night magazine where we have a sky guide which will take you through a binocular and a deep sky tour every single issue of the best things to see. And we also have lots of guides to the winter sky over on our website, skyatnightmagazine.com. So please do have a look at both of those for even more tips and tricks on what's best to observe at this time of year. Exactly. I mean, brilliant resources that we've got available. All week, we've got Saturn on view. Now, last week, right at the end of the week, we mentioned that the Galilean moons can often have a, a dance of the planets and they cross the surface of Jupiter, at least the visible surface of Jupiter, and their shadows can do it as well. But here's a chance to have one at Saturn. Now, I mean, I think this is amazing because this is pretty much... I wouldn't say the total limit for amateur astronomers to see a shadow of a moon on another planet. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether anybody's done it with Uranus. It will be quite a challenge, but I think it's been done. But at the moment, it doesn't work at the moment because the angle, the tilt of Uranus as well. But the tilt of Saturn is getting shallower. In the next couple of years, we'll see the rings go edge on. And that means as the moons orbit Saturn, their shadows, they will cross the disk and also the shadows. Now, as it happens, uh, we've actually got an interesting event on the 11th. So the 11th is, of course, new moon for us, but it's also a great event. The shadow of Dione in Saturn actually crosses the southern hemisphere in the early evening. I mean, the early evening. You don't even have to stay up all night for this. You know, you've got an early evening event sort of thing, so you don't have to wait until the early hours of the morning like sometimes it usually they usually happen in the early hours and something awkward usually happens as such but this is about 5 30 p.m whilst twilight is still fading the shadow will already be close to the center of the view of the disk of saturn but it'll get better as the sky gets darker towards six o'clock but the shadow is slowly moving across and it will move off the disk by 6 30 but this is a perfect time to see if you can see you will need a telescope and quite a reasonable amount of magnification as well. But Dione will be passing underneath the planet, but its shadow would be crossing. And it would be quite tiny, but to see this little dot, this shadow on the planet's 
atmosphere, I think will be quite exciting. So I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to try and video it and see whether we can get some pictures. And again, if anybody does take a picture, please send it up. You know, we love these sort of pictures because these are the more rarer ones. Although over the next few years, they'll start to get more and more. We'll see a lot more taking place. So I'm quite, I'm quite excited by Saturn over the next few years. It's improving its position on the ecliptic. But of course, we are going towards ring plane crossing sort of thing in a couple of years and we'll lose the rings, but we gain the moons crossing a planet. I think that's worth bearing in mind with Saturn because people always get a bit sad when the rings close up because, you know, it does tilt backwards and forwards. And sometimes when you're looking at it edge on, you can't really see the rings as well because that's what Saturn's famous for. But that doesn't mean that there's not still lots of other interesting things that you can see on the planet like these shadow transits. So don't discount Saturn for the next couple of years. It's still always worth a look at, at that giant planet. Well worth it. Now, the next morning, January the 12th, yes, we're back to the morning sky as well. The seven o'clock in the morning, Mercury's at the greatest elongation west. It's about 23 and a half degrees away from the sun. Sort of thing. So when it's on the west side, it's visible in the morning sky. When it's on the east side, it's visible in the evening sky. Now, Mercury's shining at minus 0.1 magnitude. But from now on, it will gradually now start to drop back towards the solar glare. This is why Venus won't catch it up. So get them now while they're together because Mercury will very quickly drop out of view and you won't be able to mistake them to venus is around about minus four magnitude so <laughs> a significant difference between the two in fact the most brightest object other than the sun and the moon in the sky has to be said is venus so there we are so that's on the morning of the 12th sort of thing i say after this mercury will start to drop back popped in to say hello and now it's going away again. Exactly, yes. It is It is a bit like that, isn't it, sort of thing, you know, just pe peeps its head over the horizon sort of thing, gives a little wave at us for, I mean, if you get the right apparition, the evening apparition later in the year sort of thing, you know, the first one, usually in the spring, is usually quite good. You've got it for around about at least a month because it lingers. It's, it's all the interplay of the sort of angle of the ecliptic and the position Mercury's along it as well. But uh, we have to wait later on in the year for the morning apparition of Mercury to be really long, but most of the other times they're quite short, sort of thing, because it's down to the angle of the ecliptic itself. But uh, at least you should be able to see it. But you do need an uncluttered horizon. It's the same old story, sort of thing. If you've got a lot of trees, buildings, or anything like that, you will probably need to find a nice site, sort of thing, to go out to. Uh, perhaps if you're on the way to work, there might be a lay-by you can pull in, sort of thing, to see it. But uh, I, I have to say, uh, I've done that a few times, sort of thing, and had my camera with me and then forgotten the tripod. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the case, isn't it? There's always you something you forget, sort of thing, of you know, to do with that. But uh, I tell you what, nowadays, though, you can catch them with the um, your smartphones handheld, you know, because it's twilight, you can get a good picture like that. So well worth trying that. Okay, so let's go to the evening sky again now. We're talking about 5.30 in the evening because as we're going into the 13th and the 14th of January, yes, Saturn's in the sky, and we mentioned the uh, transit of the shadow uh, early in the month on the 11th, but it's now joined by our own moon. So on the 13th, the moon is to the lower right, quite a few degrees away, but it's just creeping out of the twilight. You can still enjoy the winter sky because it's only a slim crescent and it's setting quite quickly. So it is now emerging sort of thing. So on the 13th is to the lower right of Saturn, about 5.30. But on the next evening, it's directly to Saturn's left. 
So you've got this lovely, it'll be a gorgeous view, this crescent hanging there. You'll have Earthshine as well. Remember, Earthshine is the light that's bounced off the Earth's bright reflective atmosphere and is filling. I always think of it like the, the photographers fill in flash. So they often use these parasols, don't they, that are brightly lit to illuminate the other side of the person and make it more even. This is the same thing. So you'll get the earth shine, you'll get the crescent, and you'll have Saturn there as well. A great chance for a fantastic picture, I reckon, sort of thing. So do take a look at that. And that really completes this week's set of events there, Ezzy. Does sound like we've got a lot of really interesting things this week. If people at home would like to get to grips with what's happening next week and throughout the rest of the year, do subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all of the latest stargazing tips. But thank you very much for taking us through all of that, Paul. To summarise again, on the 8th in the morning twilight, you'll be able to see Venus trying to catch up with Mercury in the constellation of Ophiuchus. They'll be joined by the crescent moon near Antares. Then moving forward into the 9th, the very, very thin crescent moon is going to be moving closer towards Mercury, but it will be overtaken quickly by the dawn. So do be careful that you don't accidentally catch the sun in any of your optics. On the 11th, we're going to have a new moon, meaning it's a great time to take advantage of any deep sky observations that you want to do. Perhaps looking at the Milky Way, taking a closer look in Orion. There's lots of nebula clusters and galaxies that are on display throughout the season. So be sure to pick up a copy of Sky at Night magazine to keep up to date with the best things to see or go over to our website, skyatnightmagazine.com. Again, on the 11th, you'll also be able to see a slightly unusual event as the moon Dione does a shadow transit across the face of the planet Saturn. Definitely one to watch out for there. On the 12th, Mercury is going to be at its greatest western elongation. It'll be quite bright in the night sky, uh, though Venus will be nearby and it will be even brighter. Then to the 13th to the 14th of January, Saturn is going to be accompanied by the slim crescent moon as well. So lots of really interesting things to see in the night sky this week. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you here next week. Goodbye. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky this month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for throughout the whole month. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes or neither, our sky guide has got you covered, with detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 